Hi, I'm Tracy Brigden. I'm the writer of Newfield, and I'm here with Walt Mattis from the Fairfield Museum. So, hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here with my friend Walt. Walt, would you um, introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about you, both professionally and personally, if you like? So, my name is Walt Mattis. I work here at the Fairfield Museum in the Education Department. Uh, I've been here for just about 16 years now, uh, but I was also I grew up in Fairfield, so I was kind of a history kid and so spent a lot of time at the historical society and learning about the town's history. Very cool. So we're in Fairfield, Connecticut right now. The podcast that we just put out is called Newfield. It's not called Fairfield, but I will say that it was inspired by Fairfield, which is where I live as well. A lot of it was inspired from work that we've done together at the museum, both around the Revolutionary War and more recently around the witch trials and in the graveyard. Um, And so we spent a lot of time in the cemetery or the old burying ground, as it's called. You taught me me quite a lot about what the, the Puritans did and what the symbols are in the in the stones and about the witches. Um, and I'd love to share your information with the people who listen to the podcast. So can you, can we start with the Puritans? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the Puritans. They had some wacky ideas and um, it affected how they, how they buried people and, and where and how and what kind of stones they had. They, uh, so the Puritans, uh, Fairfield is settled as a Puritan town in 1639. So So the Puritans have a very, for lack of a better term, a stark view of life and death. Uh, They're pretty concrete about it. And often we see early stones, they'll have what we call a death's head, uh, which represents that kind of feeling of, you know, life is tough, you're going to die, and that's all there is to it. They're, They're not into larger and deeper mourning processes and things like that. That's not to say that people didn't mourn. It's just not part of your day-to-day activities for them. Right. The death's head is my favorite of the symbols on (laughs) the stones out there. And the artwork we used for Newfield is a picture from a stone from our old burying ground that's a death's head. Um, So the death's head being a skull with wings what is that? It's really kind of a, a a starkness of life. You live, life is hard, you're going to die. Um, and eventually Whoa. you will be judged. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, 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 I could put some colorful euphemisms in there, but I'm not going to. But yeah, it's, it's a very stark view of, of how things are. Their belief in God and, and God's rules and regulations of how we are all treated is very strict. And on top of that, uh, the ministers uh, are the learned individuals of a community, and they are kind of the spokesperson for God and the interpretation of the Bible. And that is reflected in that kind of you know grave art. Uh, those are also often the graves if they do have any words or things printed beyond name and date kind of thing. Those are the ones that you know have phrases like "As I am now, so too you shall be." Uh, you know, and it's it's very foreboding. It's not like, oh, it's, it's okay. Everything will be fine. It's yeah. like, no, this is, I'm, I'm dead and you will be too. Right. It's coming so for you. It's very harsh it's, it's in that sense. Mm-hmm. When you think about it that way, it's especially harsh because when you walk around those gravestones in our old burying ground, there's a lot of people who died quite young. They really didn't have a lot of time to enjoy their lives. And the story in Newfield involves a 17-year-old's death. And she, you know, has one of those stones that just says, here lies, and that's it. Yep. 
and it, it and they're often like that. Uh, they also, and especially in the 17th century, which is generally when we're talking about Puritans and certainly a, a large portion of Fairfield's early history, you're they don't have for like they don't have time to mourn. They don't have you know there's crops that need to be taken care of and and grown and animals that you need to maintain and life in general is just moving, moving, moving. And so, yes, the idea of somebody may die. And once again, not to say that they don't feel anything, but there's not a lot of time to sit around and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to work our way through this. It's kind of like we move on. We know that the death rate for infants and children under the age of five is, is very, very high. Um, and you have to assume that's taking a toll on the women and the men who, you know, are parents to these children. But yeah, when somebody's gone, they're gone. And, you know, still got to go home yeah, and milk gotta, the cows. That's right. That's right. You gotta, right. These, these things have to happen because if they don't, then the rest of us may die yeah. because we're not going to have whatever we need from, right. from that. Right. Um, so at that same time, there were actually quite a lot of which concerns <laughs> around this area, not just Salem, witches weren't just happening in Salem. Can we talk a little bit about the witch hunts? Some of them preceded the Salem witch trials, right? Correct. In Connecticut, in Connecticut the trials uh, start in 1647. Uh, Alice Young is the first uh, recorded uh, uh, hanging uh, death death as a witch. Um, we don't know as much about her actual trial conviction, but we know that she is hanged as a witch. Um, so, you know, you're talking already, you know, 50 years, give or take, before. Uh, that sparks what becomes known as the Hartford Witch Trials. And there are trials in many of the towns. It's not just Hartford, but it, it takes on that name. Um, it, none of them reach the scale of Salem. So most of us who know Salem, we know that there's you know, hundreds of people who get accused and, and 21 people who are are killed. But when the Hartford witch trials happen, they're more spread out, but there's only one or two people in each town that some of them are convicted and killed. Many are not. Goody Bassett in Stratford is tried and hung as a witch. Uh, but that will set up events that become the trial in 1653 for Fairfield, which is Goody Knapp. Um, and she's, we don't know exactly what she's accused of or her specific accusers. We do know some of the people who are her accusers, uh, but we do know that she is found guilty and killed by the town of Fairfield as a witch. Really, really so sad. That, that, Just out this window, we can see we're sitting here in the Fairfield Museum, which is in the old town green. We can see the dent in the in the ground <laughs> where the dunking pond used yep. to be, right? Yep. The Edwards Pond. It was known as Edwards Pond. We don't know if Goody Knapp actually endured the test. We have no reason to believe that she did. There's no record that, but she might have. But we do know that in 1692, there was another set of trials, which actually begins in Stamford, but the trial is moved here to Fairfield. And a woman by the name of Mercy Disbro 
Monroe and Elizabeth Clausen are actually ducked. We have record that that actually occurs. And they're actually two men. Their job was to go out uh, to the water with poles and actually try to push them down uh, to help them to stay under. Wow. Wow. And it was called the swimming test, right? The swimming test, the ducking test. It's, mm-hmm. It has a, the water test. Occasionally we do mm-hmm. hear that. It was a very strange and bizarre test. Uh, as far as I know, it was created by a gentleman by the name of Matthew Hopkins, who was actually in England, uh, who gave himself the title Witchfinder General. Wow. Uh, and he created a lot of these tests that we now look back and go, hey, isn't that kind of strange that they would have done that? Um, but as you said, one of the things we have to remember is they take this all very, everybody takes this very, very seriously. The concern that evil could be working its way into your community and causing problems. You had enough challenges in life normally to suddenly think that there could be somebody in league with the devil who is somehow carrying out that will is terrifying. Um, And so he comes up with these things, people buy it. It eventually makes its way here to to North America, to New England in particular. Um, And so the idea of the test is you have your hands and feet tied, you're thrown into a body of water here in Fairfield, it's gonna be Edwards Pond. And the idea is that if you float, you're a witch. And if you sink, well, you're not a witch, and that's what they care about. Um, and then you drown. Well, that's and that's you know yes, that that's what we would assume. But I've I have not never read of anybody drowning mm-hmm. in a ducking test, yeah. and the I, reasons are very simple, right? The water in many cases isn't very deep. We're not mm-hmm. talking you know thirty feet of water kind of thing, and in many cases they're being thrown in close to to the shore, if you will, close to the to the land. So once again, it's it's not going to be deep. Um, a lot of people, if you throw them in the water, the first thing they're going to do is suck in as much air as they can, right? And it's going to help make them buoyant. And you're not personally going to want to go under, which is probably why the two gentlemen are involved to, quote, help um, in the situation. So they believed, or the argument that Matthew Hopkins had given was that the water of baptism, represented by the body of water that they were being thrown into, would reject you if you were in league with the devil. So um, it's for those of us who know modern science, we understand it's a very flawed test mm-hmm. and, and obviously not based in any real science. Yeah. But in that time period where science is still kind of a magical concept, people are willing to accept, okay, we will we'll buy that. Yeah. And when you speak about, you know, the the citizenry of Fairfield falling prey to this conspiracy theory of witches in, in their midst, and you think, gosh, how could they possibly think that crazy conspiracy theory? We can just look around today and there go, are. there are conspiracy theories that can take over <laughs> masses of people and make them believe the strangest things. Well, and, and they work best when you're playing kind of in the world of superstition, mm-hmm. of things that we ourselves don't know enough about we have to defer our our decision making process to individuals who may or may not have any more knowledge than we do that's mm-hmm. when you look back at the witchcraft trials you have to remember that even the men of and I'm, and I'm using air quotes science right uh-huh. you know, these people these learned individuals in many cases didn't know any more about germs or so if somebody came and said well so and so said something bad and i got sick or an animal died 
they don't understand that, you know, there's germs, there's problems, there's whatever. So, so everybody looks to those people to be knowledgeable and whatever they say, they're willing to buy. So right. yes, you can see how it could continue. Yeah. New field involves, for lack of a better word, sort of ghosts. Um, it's a bit of a ghost story. Um, you have spent a lot of time um, sort of deep in history and spent a lot of time around a lot of historical places like our old burying ground and the buildings around here that are so old. Have you ever had any ghostly encounters? I would love to tell you I have. I have not. <laughs> Perhaps I am not sensitive enough or aware <laughs> personally, um, but I, I I don't have any you know great stories to be able uh -huh. to tell. Um, but I I know this didn't happen to you directly, but I do love that <laughs> lighthouse story. Will you just tell the lighthouse there, story? So there the the story of Penfield Lighthouse, which yeah. is a lighthouse off the coast of Fairfield. Um, there is a gentleman by the name of Fred Jordan. About 1912, he needs to. Uh, return to uh, Long Island, which is where he lives. And the uh, uh, lighthouse, Penfield Lighthouse, is actually, and it comes right up out of the water. So to get to uh, his home in Long Island, he actually had to come into Fairfield and then catch the ferry across to uh, uh, his home in, in Long Island. So what he is trying to do is trying to leave the lighthouse and it's a stormy afternoon. He wants to, to get here, um, uh, to the, to the coast. And so against the, uh, advisement of his assistant lighthouse keeper, um, he actually gets in a, basically a, a dinghy, if you will, and tries to row from the lighthouse to the shore and, does not make it. His his boat is overturned, and uh, the assistant lighthouse keeper does try to save him. Um, throws out a uh, life uh, preserver, if you will, um, and tries to rec rescue him, but but is unable. And uh, eventually, uh, Fred Jordan's body will be discovered, as well as his overturned boat. Uh, but a few weeks later, uh, uh, app. Uh, Eiton is now the, uh, he's in charge of the lighthouse. There's another assistant and he is sitting at his, uh, workstation, if you will, his desk. Uh, and Penfield Lighthouse is actually three stories. So there's a downstairs, a middle floor, and then the upper floor is just the light, the, the actual where the lens is. And so as he's sitting there, he hears a noise and he looks up and he sees a gray shadowy figure as he describes it, um, at the door and it proceeds to go downstairs. So he yells out, he believes it's his, his assistant and he calls out and the assistant calls from above at, at the light. And, you know, Aiton's kind of like, so where are you? And he's like, I'm up here doing my job. Where, where should I be? So he's curious now. So he goes downstairs, he goes, and when he gets downstairs, he finds the logbook, which he had actually filled out opened to the actual date that uh, Fred Jordan had died and it has his actual entry there. Uh, he will tell other stories about seeing the ghost of Fred Jordan. And there are also stories about boats uh, close to the lighthouse where they're having some difficulty, the weather, uh, and that they will be uh, helped by a shadowy figure who uh, will vanish once they are saved. So. At least we know Fred Jordan is 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 a 
is a kind ghost and still obviously working at his post trying right. to help people. Maybe that can be a future story for Newfield. It could be. If we continuing sagas of <laughs> Newfield, the lighthouse ghost. That would be, that would be, I would look forward to that. I would look forward to that. Um, well, I am so grateful for you to take You're the time welcome. to talk to us about ghosts and witches and death's heads and, <laughs> and all that. Um, thank you, Walt. You're very welcome. Thank you for, for asking me.